You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. is a great peacemaker. Blessed are the peacemakers. David is a great peacemaker. And here he is showing himself very, very wise. He receives his former adversary, a lesser man. He would have never forgiven Abner for coming against him. Not David. David forgave him greatly. David forgave him greatly. And you got to respect David for this because David was a great, wise, and generous man. Abner had a change of heart. And we see that here. Abner has a change of heart. People will betray and hurt you in this life. It's simply the nature of fallen man. However, as Pastor Dave will explain today, these same people may realize their fault and failure. When they turn back, seeking restoration, show mercy and forgive them. Seek peace and unity like David did when his former adversaries recognized him as king. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 3. As he continues his message, David negotiates with Abner, Joab pays back. The same principles of Israel's embrace of David as king applies to our relationship as Jesus. The Israelites might talk of making King David, but they didn't crown him that way. They might meet together and say they wished it were so, but they didn't do it. It might be generally admitted that they ought to do it and he ought to be our monarch, but they didn't do it. Sooner or later, it has to be done. Sooner or later, you're going to be asked, who do you say Jesus is? What will your answer be? What will your answer be? Decide that. I can't decide that for you. Until you do it, until you do the deed of making him Lord, making him king of your life, you will struggle with what shall I do with Jesus? That's what I did in my life. I struggled with what I should do with Jesus. I saw Jesus in my wife's life. I saw the change in her. It was driving me nuts. I didn't know what to do with this Jesus. I had heard about him. I went to Sunday school. I was confirmed Lutheran. I grew up in a church. But I I knew about this Jesus, but I didn't know what I was supposed to do with him. They never told us in the Lutheran church that we were supposed to be born again. It never came up. I didn't know what to do with this Jesus until one day it was so impressed upon me, I knew that I had to make a decision in my life. It was time. Fish or cut bait. It, It was time. It was time for me to decide what was I going to do with this Jesus. And I cried out to him, okay, if you want me, I'm yours. I didn't know what I was saying. If you want me, I'm yours. And that was what I said. I fell to my knees. If you want me, I'm yours. I don't know what that meant. And I walked inside a school. I was teaching at the time. The first person I met happened to be a guy that was teaching with me who was an Assembly of God pastor. And he said, what's wrong with you? Something happened to you. He looked at my face and he knew something had happened. And I said, I got to tell you. I said, it's no surprise that the Lord brought you here. And I told him. He said, you did what? And I told him, and he grabbed my hands, and right there in the middle of the hallway in the school, he said, pray this prayer with me. And we prayed the prayer right there in the hallway in school. There comes a time when you just have to do it. You just have to make a decision. Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is my Savior. And I'm going to follow him no matter what. 
No matter what, no matter what the circumstances, no matter what the trouble, no matter what the joy, whatever, I'm going to follow him. And then do it. You say you follow Jesus, then do it. Don't him haul. Don't play games. Do it. And that's what's happening here. He tells these guys, listen, you love David. Your women sang about him. David has killed 10,000s, and they're all happy. They love David. They don't understand why Saul didn't like him, but they loved David at one time. Now he's saying, you know God has a call in his life. You know the men of Judah have made David king. Do it. Do it. The sooner, the better. You're undone until you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, and it becomes real in your heart. Many people come forward, and they say the words, and that's wonderful. And we're happy they do. And we always say, well, that's between them and God, and it is. But after you say the words, do it. Make it stick. Something has happened in your life. Until we hate sin and love Jesus more, you're under another king. There's another king who is ruling your life. You're no longer children of light. You're children of darkness. That's scriptural, folks. I'm not making this stuff up. That's what the scripture says. You're children of darkness. Be translated out of darkness. Come out of darkness. I love Abner here. I really do. He was a general. He wasn't a Bible scholar, but he recognized the Lord had spoken to David. And he somehow knew the prophecies and, and the fact that he could ask the leaders of Israel to consider the prophecies of David. Consider them widely known. And sadly, they were not widely obeyed. Most of Israel was lukewarm. They, they, were, they, were, they were unenthusiastic to embrace David as king. They were hesitant. I see the same thing today. The people were just like I was back then. But we knew this Jesus, we knew of him, but we were afraid to embrace him fully. We were afraid to give our lives totally over there. Some of you may be in that way today. Oh, you've given your life to Jesus this much. You've given your life to Jesus this much. And you won't go any further and you expect Jesus to come to you. Now, he loves you and he continues to love you. But let me ask you a question before we go much further. How much Jesus gave you? Did Jesus hold back anything from you? No. He held back nothing on the cross, did he? He held back nothing on the cross. He took every sin that you've ever committed, every sin you ever will commit it, and he that held them to the cross. As he was hanging there, he didn't say, I don't want that one. No, he took every sin upon himself. The ones you haven't committed yet, he took them on the cross. Jesus gave everything to you. So isn't it only right that we then give everything back to him? That we give our whole life to him and say, my life is yours. Paul says, my life is hidden Christ. So many people are lukewarm when it comes to Jesus. And the times, man, the time is frittering. Time's getting close. Time is fast going. I'm telling you, we're going downhill. All this, you see, David is a precursor to the one, the only son that God ever had. Jesus fulfilled all manner of the prophecies concerning the Messiah. He fulfilled every single one of them. Yet he was rejected. Rejected. We're reading that right now in the Gospel of John. Jesus was rejected by the religious leaders. 
by 90% of the people, Jesus was rejected. He was even rejected by those he might have healed or those he might have touched. He was rejected. In verse 20 to 21, we read, So Abner and 20 men with him came to David at Hebron. And David made a feast for Abner and the men who were with him. Then Abner said to David, I will arise and go and gather all Israel to my lord the king, and they make a covenant with you, and that you may reign over all that their hearts desires. So David sent Abner away, and he went in peace. David is a great peacemaker. Blessed are the peacemakers. David is a great peacemaker. And here he is showing himself very, very wise. He receives his former adversary, a lesser man. He would have never forgiven Abner for coming against him. Not David. David forgave him greatly. David forgave him greatly, and you got to respect David for this, because David was a great, wise, and generous man. Abner had a change of heart, and we see that here. Abner has a change of heart. Did he finally recognize God? Did he finally see God in the midst of all this? We don't know. It doesn't say that. We can only surmise. But he did realize that David was truly God's chosen king. He recognized that. He recognized that. And you got to give that to Abner. Many of us today need that change of heart. We need to recognize that Jesus is God's chosen Messiah. He's God's only begotten son. We need to recognize that he is the Christ, the son of the living God. There is by no other name by which man shall be saved, Scripture says just like Abner and David. God holds no grudges against you if you accept his sacrifice for sin once of all. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God holds nothing against you. God wants all to be coming to him. God wants none to perish. He wants all to come to repentance. So Abner and David make a negotiated deal. But enter Joab. Joab comes in. And Joab has one thing on his mind, and one thing only, and that's payback. Joab has vengeance on his mind. Joab has vengeance on his mind. So let's look down to 30. We'll read through. At that moment, the servants of David and Joab came from a raid and brought much spoil with them. But Abner was not with David in Hebron, for he had sent him away, and he had gone in peace. When Joab and all the troops that were with him had come, they told Joab, saying, Abner, the son of Ner, came to the king, and he sent him away, and he has gone in peace. Then Joab came to the king and said, What have you done? Look, Abner came to you. Why is it that you sent him away, and he's already gone? Surely you realize that Abner, the son of Ner, came to deceive you, to know you're going out and you're coming in, and to know all that you are doing. Then Joab had gone from David's present, sent messengers to Abner, who brought him back to the well of Sirah. But David did not know it. Now when Abner had returned to Hebron, Joab took him aside into the gate to speak to him privately, and there stabbed him in the stomach, so that he died for the blood of Ashiel, his brother. Afterward, when David heard it, he said, My kingdom and I are guiltless before the Lord forever of the blood of Abner, the son of Ner. Let it rest on the head of Joab, and on his father's house, and let there never fail to be in the house of Joab one who has a discharge or is a leper, who leans on a staff or falls by the sword, who lacks bread. So Joab and Abishai, his brother, killed Abner because he had killed their brother Ashiel at Gibeon in the battle. Paybacks. Joab's not real happy with David for making that deal. 
He accuses Abner of basically being a double agent. He's angry with David for letting him go without arresting him. Abner and his brother, Abishai, are using the avenger of blood rule found in Numbers 35, 9 through 28. They're using this rule. It's an avenger of blood rule that basically says that you can go kill somebody if they've killed one of your relatives. But there's going to be a problem with that. We'll talk about that in a minute. As chief general and former king, of former King Saul, Abner had a lot of top military experience. Maybe Joab thought Abner would take his place as the commander. Maybe Joab was afraid. He carefully engineered this murder so that the killing was done outside the gate of Hebron. Why? Because Hebron was a city of refuge. Hebron was a city of refuge. Remember, if someone killed a relative and they could go to one of the cities of refuge and they would not be touched as long as they stayed in that city of refuge. It was law for Joab. Abner died because he killed Ashiel. This careful plot to murder Abner outside the city of refuge made the murder all dark and sinister. It showed Joab knew that Abner might make rightful claim of self-defense. He knew that Abner was protected by the city, yet he killed him anyhow. Many think that Joab was justified. I'm doing this to defend my king. Because remember, he said, Abner just wants to deceive you. But we know that murder is never justified in the eyes of God. Never justified in the eyes of God, except maybe in war. I don't know. But our sin and treachery never honors our king. Sin and treachery never honors Christ. We must avoid the trap. And even Spurgeon said this, quote, We may even deceive ourselves into belief that we are honoring our Lord and Master when we are all the while bringing disgrace to his name. David had nothing to do with the murder, and he knew it, and he said so. Among other evils, this murder perpetrated that Joab was kind of a bad guy. He was a bad dude. It gave David's administration a bad reputation for brutality, and it became harder for David to get the rest of Israel on his side. He said, this is on your head, Joab. This is on your head, and he pronounces this severe curse on Joab. Perhaps David was afraid to lose Joab as a general, which is why he didn't kill him. I don't know. I don't know. It's interesting. The word Abner, the name Abner means enlightening. It means enlightening. Abner was a man who spoke, spent most of his life fighting against David. He was with Saul every time they went out hunting for David. He led Saul's army. He was constantly on the lookout for this rascal David and constantly on there. But there came a time when he turned around and joined David. This becomes another illustration for us. It's an important picture of people who spend their lifetime fighting against the things of God. And that's one of the, one of the testimonies that you love to hear. Someone who was totally against God all of a sudden, they meet Jesus Christ, and they turn around, and now they're totally for God. I'm thinking of the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul used to take writs of, of papers into the synagogues, drag Christians out by their hair, and take them to Jerusalem to be killed, or, or tortured, or whatever. But one day, along the Damascus Road, something happened to him. A light shined in his eyes, and he was pulled from darkness into that marvelous light. 
Many of us, before we knew Christ, fought against God. Many of us fought against God before we knew Christ. We fought against him tooth and nail. I know I did. Fought against him tooth and nail. But man, when you finally become enlightened to the truth, and when your eyes are finally open and the scales are removed, and you see Christ clearly standing before you, and he has his arms out to you, and he's saying, come to me. Come to me. And you look, and you see holes in his hands. You see blood on his head where the crown of thorns was. And you see a spear wound in his side. And he's saying, come to me. I did this for you. I did this because I loved you. I did this for you. Come to me. Come to me. It changes your life. It changes your life. And if it didn't change your life, then I have to question, what happened? What happened if your life wasn't changed? When Abner told people to follow David, he knew that many Israelites would follow David and they would be part of the new kingdom. It's just like when we tell people to follow Christ. When we tell people the joys of following Jesus Christ and we invite them into the kingdom of God and they come and they change their allegiance and they make necessary things for life not only now, but life forever, eternal life. Oh, what a glorious thing. Scripture says angels rejoice in heaven when that happens. Angels rejoice in heaven. Some of us choose to be unhappy in our lives. We choose to be unhappy in the lot of our life that we have. We're uneasy about the current circumstances because of our allegiance to Christ. But some of us are unhappy and not happy about our circumstances because our allegiance to Christ is weak. It's weak. It's not strong. It's not powerful. We've been sliding, and we've talked about this before. It keeps coming up. It keeps coming up, and I'm going to go back to it right now because it's right in my head right here. There are a lot of things up there rattling around. I love this. We've been studying this scripture. We've men talked about it. We've looked at this. Hebrews 2, verse 1. Therefore, we must give more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. It's a nautical term, drifting like a boat without an anchor. Some of us know the things of Christ. Some of us have accepted Christ. We've come full circle. We've given our hearts to Christ. But the commitment isn't as strong as it used to be. Circumstances have gotten away and have kind of pulled us away. And now we're kind of drifting on the sea. Our anchor is kind of bouncing along now. We don't have that solid anchor of Christ. We, we've pulled it up somehow, and now we're just kind of drifting. We need to get that anchor dug in deep to Christ. That anchor needs to be set solid so we don't move anymore. Because Christ is our solid foundation. He is the rock upon which we stand. And I've used this, used this analogy one more time. Ocean City has all these jetties that go out. They're huge rocks. These jetties are great big, enormous black rocks that they put out. And we used to live there on 4th Street, and they came in, and they filled all the sand in, and they pushed the sand way out past the jetties. And all the jetties were filled. You couldn't even see them anymore. Sand covered everything. And we had nor'easter after nor'easter after nor'easter, and the sand kept on going, the sand kept on going. But guess what's still there? Those rock-hard jetties. That's you in Christ if you're standing on the solid rock. If you're standing on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ, storms are going to come and storms are going to go. 
Sand is going to be washed out from under your feet. But if you're on the solid rock of Jesus Christ, if you're totally committed to Him, you can stand firm. You can be established in Christ. But it takes commitment. You must be committed to Him. No, nothing in the way. No compromise. You can't be 90% committed to Christ and 10% committed to the world. It doesn't work like that. You have to all be committed to Christ. Everything you have needs to be submitted and committed to Christ. Bring it out in the open. Here it is, Lord. This is what I'm playing with. This is the deck. He'll go, good. Now we can get something done. Let's get rid of this. Let's get rid of that. Thinking of a crazy story I told before, too. You accept Christ into your life, and all of a sudden there's a knock on the door, and Jesus is standing there. You go, Lord, you're here. Come on in. He says, wait a minute. He goes back to the taxi cab, and he pulls out this huge, great big, gnarly cross. And he starts coming. Wait a minute, you can't bring that in here? Where are you going to put that? Right in the middle. No, you can't do that. No, you can't have anything of me if you don't let me bring the cross in here. See, we want to submit to Christ, but we want to submit on our terms. We all have terms that we'll submit to Christ to. And he says, no, nah, I'm sorry. It's got to be my terms got to be my terms. It's got to be God's terms. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through him. There is only one way, and it's his way. It can't be our way. It's got to be his way. His way and only his way. I see that in these scriptures here today. If your commitment is not sincere, why not? Which team are you playing on? Where are, you, where are you putting your hat? Where is your strength? Where is your foundation? If it's not in Jesus Christ, I can guarantee you're struggling. I can guarantee you're drifting. If your foundation is not Jesus Christ, I can guarantee you're drifting. And you're having all kinds of problems understanding what's going on because you're not rooted and grounded in Christ. Things will come and things will go. Tragedies will come into your life and they'll go. Where is your root? Where is your anchor? If it's not in Jesus Christ, you are going to be in for the most hard time you could ever have. And that's what I see in these scriptures today. Turn to Christ today. Remember Abner's words. Now do it. Now do it. Christ will pardon your sins. Christ will forgive you. He will make you whole again. Circumstances may not change when you find Jesus Christ, when you totally come back to him. But the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard both your heart and your mind during the circumstance. During the time of trouble, God will guard you and be with you, and you will be able to have that joy unexpressible in your heart. That's what I see in these scriptures today. And sadly, the man died after he made that choice. That's what happens to us, isn't it? When we make that choice, we die. We die to Christ, and then we're risen again to a new life. It's a wonderful thing when you look at it that way. You are The book of 2 Samuel is a continuation of David's journey to the throne promised him years before. It follows his life and relationship with God, with his family, and with the people entrusted to his leadership. 
David has much to teach you, and we encourage you to continue studying this Old Testament book. If you missed any part of today's teaching on Assure Hope, or if you'd like to listen to additional teachings from Pastor Dave, visit assurehoperadio.com today. Maybe today, as you were listening, you found you have some questions about faith, and maybe even about salvation. We'd be happy to talk with you and provide some resources to answer your questions and start you on a journey that will change your life for the better. Give us a call. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. And while you're on our website, visit the page How to Be Saved to read all about the plan of salvation God set up long ago. We'd love to meet you, too. If you're in the area, join us this weekend at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. You can find directions and more information at assurehoperadio.com. We'd love to connect with you on Facebook, too. Just follow the link on our page to follow us. We're coming to an end of our time with you today. We're so glad you took the time to study God's Word today with Pastor Dave, and we hope you'll join us next time as we explore deeper into the book of 2 Samuel, right here on Assure Hope.